0: Hello, everyone. This is your host, Brandi Williamson. I am a birth and postpartum mental performance coach. I've designed this podcast to offer you a unique combination of performance psychology principles and faith-based insights to support you along your journey of motherhood every step of the way. Welcome back to Mom Material. There are life experiences that change the way that you think about the world, yourself and others, as well as how you behave in those contexts. Marriage is one of those changes. Going from not living with anyone, doing whatever I wanted, when I wanted, to living with someone and prioritizing their needs despite how I feel or felt are some of the challenges that I have faced in my own relationship. Marriage is like a mirror. It shows you who you actually are. There's no putting on a show, no hiding. This covenantal intimacy and proximity is a constant reflection of your real self. Through marriage, I've realized I'm not as great as what I thought I was, and it's shown me how self-centered I can be even towards the person that I love the most. Marriage also provides opportunities for love, for forgiveness, sacrifice, and to change and grow. It's an individual choice of mine and us that we all get to make whether we want to choose to lean in into growth or stay the same. I've often thought of complacency as my biggest fear. It's so easy for me to fall into comfortability of passively existing in the things I already know and like. Now, there's nothing wrong with being content. In fact, you definitely should learn how to be content wherever you're at. But comfortability is different. It's a slippery slope to complacency and complacency to stagnation. One definition of stagnation is ceasing to develop or becoming inactive or dull. Googling what it means to be dead will give you the same definition, no longer alive or a place or time characterized by a lack of activity or excitement. We do so much in our lives to avoid being dead. We know we need to maintain our health by exercising, eating good foods, creating and maintaining important relationships, and the rest. So why is it that so many of us know what we need to do or what we want to do, but we end up not doing those things consistently that lead to those goals. In one way or another, it's because of procrastination. According to Dr. Piers Steele, procrastination is defined as the voluntary delay of an intended action despite knowing that one will probably be worse off for the delay. In the episode before this, I go into my love of freedom and spontaneity. In my single years before I became a mom, I mentioned I had so much free time. I was frolicking around from activity to activity, deciding what I'd do next, solely based on the level of fun I thought it would bring me. I've had serious responsibilities like being a collegiate athlete, going to grad school and having a full-time job. So I didn't think that it would be that different having a a child so i didn't think that much would change when i became a mother i prided myself on flexibility excitement and curiosity which has always paid off in my favor i've always rebelled against schedules formulas and rules i've associated these things with being uptight type a and boring meaning I avoided them like the plague. I even thought my avoidance of structure was working out for me because I put off those things I thought were boring to do more fun things in the moment like reading, working out, hanging with friends until the very last minute and use procrastination as my energy to do what I actually needed to do and finish it in a small window of time. This on the fly behavior was often rewarded by a good grade which only reinforced this habit. Not to mention, I felt like everyone around me was procrastinating. It was almost like this cool thing, like the cute skinny girl who drinks as much beer and pizza as she wants, like every other day with her guy friends, and effortlessly doesn't have a care in the world. It's not cool long term because it's not sustainable. If you listened to the previous episode, you also know the former idealistic carefree approach was most definitely not working for me anymore having a baby is hard work and it wasn't until last week I realized the past six months I've just been in a reactive survival mode partly due to all the changes but also because of my previous life approach Isaac now takes priority in the day he needs to get quality naps that are equally not too long or not too short So he can sleep well at night because if he gets good sleep, that means we get good sleep. Not only am I responsible for keeping this little human alive, but also keeping the house in order, working on my business, creating content for this podcast, working out, maintaining old friendships, and creating new ones now that we've moved. It's a lot having someone literally depend on you for existence while also having to be a functioning adult with other responsibilities. In the last episode, I felt like I had a million things to do, but either wasn't doing them at all, or the things that I did do, I wasn't even doing well. My values are faith, family, friends, authenticity, and excellence and I had some serious dissonance going on because when I was supposed to be present with my husband, I had to start cleaning the house because I finally had time or I watched the past couple of weeks go by without ever reaching out or connecting with people in my area or back home. I'm most certainly not a lazy person. I hate watching movies because they're too long and I wanna be up and active. I've always been pretty decent at time management I mean, I've seen to maximize my time for doing things that I liked while still getting other things done that needed to get done. I enjoy challenging myself and being competitive, so I've always disagreed and instantly just stopped listening when people say that other people that procrastinate are lazy or need to grow up and learn how to manage their time. It wasn't until recently that I wanted to learn more about achieving goals and creating habits for myself in this season of life that I seriously looked and did the research on procrastination. In order to get to where we want to be, like long-term goals and New Year's resolutions, we need to talk about what has stopped us or is stopping us now from creating and consistently living out these habits to get to our goals. What I'm finding is so fascinating about the latest research on procrastination is that it's not about being lazy or lacking time management skills, but actually because of poor mood management. According to Dr. Ceros, a professor of social and health psychology at Durham University, she says that one in four adults procrastinate and 50% of college students report that they've procrastinated. So why are so many people procrastinating? Simply put, there's a breakdown in self-regulation due to perceiving a task as aversive, causing people to desire relief from the negative emotions that come with the aversive task. So I and others who procrastinate want to preserve the positive feelings in the moment that get disrupted when we perceive a task as boring, frustrating, or lacking in meaning and so we turn towards procrastination as a means to continue those feel-good emotions. This means that I am too focused on regulating my mood in the short-term instead of viewing the long-term consequences for my future self. Not only by procrastinating am I delaying the problem, but sometimes in the moment you can't even anticipate all the consequences that will occur, leaving you worse off than before. The researchers found that individuals are more likely to procrastinate if they are in a negative mood and have low self-compassion. In the Priority of Short-Term Mood Regulation, Consequences for Future Self-Research article, authors Ciros and Fecal say that it is most likely due to the awareness that the task is aversive and also the remembrance of past failures. The researchers also brought up that people who tend to procrastinate will continue to pursue mood regulation through inertia in action and counterfactual thinking. Have you ever procrastinated until the last minute doing homework or household chores and felt guilty or shameful about it? Did you feel like it's better just to not do it and take the lower grade or thinking you'll make it up later? This is an example of inaction inertia. You want the unpleasant feelings to go away like the guilt or shame, so you convince yourself of doing nothing, even if you still might have an opportunity to do so. This happens to me a lot when it comes to household chores, especially laundry. I already view it as a boring task and i failed in the past. So often I have avoided these feelings by just plopping them on a pile on the couch or in a pile in our bedroom and doing anything but folding them. I'll wash the dog, I'll organize the spice rack, I'll delete all my emails, which is a lot. You get the point only creates more of a daunting task for future me to sort through and fold a prehistoric pile of clothes that causes more stress during the week because now I can't find anything to wear. I've received some awesome feedback about how people are getting a lot out of this podcast. If that's you, please follow the show so we can have a better opportunity to show up on someone else's feed and provide them that same support. Another coping strategy procrastinators will use is counterfactual thinking. According to Cyrus and Feigl, this type of thinking causes us to think about the outcome that occurred to a possible better scenario using upward counterfactuals like if statements or a worse scenario using downward counterfactuals like at least statements to the outcome that might have occurred. Although its immediate personal benefit, when you compare how your procrastination actually wasn't that bad or could have been worse, it actually leads to complacency and diminished motivation to change the unproductive behavior as noted in the article, Downward Counterfactuals and Motivation, the Wake Up Call and the Pain Effect by McMillan and Markman. So, when I take the laundry out and finally manage to fold it and store it away, everything has wrinkles in it. What's not helpful when this undoubtedly happens is to mitigate that by saying, well, at least it's off the couch. Something I may or may not have recently said. The perception of doing a thing we think will bring us the most positive feelings in the moment is what leads to procrastination and making excuses for ourselves only leads to more delaying of tasks. According to Dr. Cyros, people's perceptions or expectations of the task can build a mountain of negative emotion that when you actually do the task wasn't as bad as what you thought. So the hardest part of the task is often just starting it. With this in mind, how do we get past our emotions or perceptions and stop procrastinating? Let's look at two ways to shift your thinking in response to procrastination and two practical behavioral strategies. The first is an evidence-based approach to ending procrastination that focuses on viewing tasks through the lens of meaning. Your value gives you meaning, purpose, and provides a sense of direction for you. They give you immense positive feelings when you're living them out and negative feelings when you don't. Researchers Syros and Feigl suggest that you can reduce procrastination by thinking of it as a loss of positive emotions with fewer positive benefits in light of your values. So going back to your values, if you value faith, but never get around to praying or reading your Bible because you just can't seem to make time for it, that will create a greater loss of positive emotions than procrastinating will by doing something else over time. In her TED Talk titled, Here's the Real Reason You Procrastinate, Dr. Ciro say says to ask yourself value-related questions to diffuse negative emotions and increase positive ones. These questions include, Why is this valuable to me? How is this important? And what will I learn about myself from doing the task? The second evidence-based approach is having compassion and forgiveness for ourselves and others. Dr. Ciro says that this might be counterintuitive, but instead of punishing yourself or someone else, accept that the procrastination happened and offer forgiveness. The reason this works is that it reduces our negative emotions about ourselves and the procrastinating we just did. Compassion works to repair our negative feelings and boost future motivation that's sustainable over time. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. He suggests two practical strategies people can implement to change their behavior to achieve their goals. The first is providing rewards for taking immediate action. He notes research from Katie Milkman at the University of Pennsylvania called temptation bundling. The formula goes like this. Do the thing you love plus or while doing the thing you procrastinate on. An example for me is drinking the thing that I love, coffee, while folding the clothes, things that I procrastinate on. Try it out in your own life play christmas music while you're cleaning, a podcast or audiobook while you're working out, have a business meeting at your favorite coffee shop. There's a theme developing of the things that I love. But play around with this next time you want to procrastinate. Finally, the fourth strategy is creating commitment devices in the present for future you. I use automatic pay when it comes to bills because this makes me sad every time I send money out and I often overlook paying bills because I get so distracted by more exciting things. This makes sure that Jess and I aren't evicted from the apartment and have cozy heat gearing up for the holidays. If you haven't gathered it already, I really value my time and I'm sure you do too. I want to do things I think are fun and align with my values. Earlier in life, probably about the time I was in college, I deleted all of my social media accounts. I was so frustrated with myself that I wasted so much time going down a rabbit trail. I'd like wake up from this mindless scrolling 35 minutes in on my friend's brother's girlfriend's cousin's page. And I'd say to myself, what the heck are you doing? So I deleted it. And as Will Ferrell said from the movie Step Brothers, I have so much room for activities now. I hope this episode assured you, you are not the only one leaving clothes on the couch that your dog then sits on and makes dirty. You don't have to keep doing the things you've always been doing. Now is the time to assess when you procrastinate and implement these strategies to create productive habits to get to where you ultimately want to be. Tune in next week as we dive in to creating and sustaining habits. Thanks for listening.